And all right, saints, if you would please um, open your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, just simply just um, raise your hand. One of the ushers will get you a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, simply keep this Bible as our gift to you. Um, that you can continue to just look to it and, and see the, the, the word and the life that, that God just um, pronounces to us. This morning, our text is found in, in the Gospel of John chapter 11. I contemplated so long um, wanting to give the message on verse 25, where Jesus has given the last of the I am statements in regard to the signs that he would do, the miracles that he would wrought. And it's just a, a beautiful portion where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And, and a beautiful, beautiful declaration that he has, has declared. But in, in going through this passage more and more, God continued to just bring me and, and focus me towards the end. And so our text for this morning is John 11, verse 43 and verse 44. Jesus speaks these words, it says, now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, and Jesus speaks three simple words, Lazarus, come forth. Verse 44 says, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to him, And now he says these six words, loose him and let him go. Amazing that here Jesus declares, Lazarus, come forth. And then next he declares, loose him and let him go. There's two truths that we need to anchor in on. Two truths of the Christian walk. Two truths that we have to lock ourselves to really understand what Jesus here is teaching. The first and foremost is this. Jesus gives life. Just note that. Write it somewhere. Keep it in your mind. Keep it in your heart. Jesus gives life. If he had not spoken those words, Lazarus, come forth, then I see no reason that he would say, loose him and let him go. If he hadn't said, Lazarus, come forth, leave him in the stinking grave clothes. Leave him in those things because he'd been in the grave for four days. Martha, when Jesus says, hey, you know, you want to see a miracle? And she's like, whoa, Lord, I don't think so. Because the miracle you're about to bring about is going to bring about a lot of stench. And how often is that that when we as new believers come into this newness of life, to be honest with you, there's still a lot of the stench of the old man in us. And sometimes when God is bringing that new life, we're like, hey, hey, wait, be careful, Lord. You do that. You're bringing a lot of stench into the church. You're bringing a lot of stench into the family of God. Are you sure you want to do that? And amazingly, Martha was like a little standing out. I don't think that's a good idea, Lord. That's a lot of stink bringing into the here, the back, you know, out of the grave. And yet the Lord knows what is right. And, and, and here's the key part. It's Jesus who gives life. Make a note of that. Understand that. And, and then, then we, we recognize that the biggest obstacle that bound Lazarus, his death, has been removed. The biggest obstacle, the thing that we couldn't do, 
There was no one else that was there on that scene that could literally free Lazarus from the bounds of death. No one could except Jesus Christ. None of the disciples could. No one. Only Jesus could say, I can raise a man and I can free him from the very binds of death. I can free him from that one obstacle. But amazingly, although he was freed from the largest obstacle by the Lord, he was raised, he was alive, but he still wasn't free. Do you understand that? He's alive, but he's not free yet. And so Jesus now goes and he gives this next direction, not to Lazarus, but to those who are around when Lazarus comes out. And he makes this statement. And and so he says, "I, I know that he's been freed from the reality of death, but he hasn't been freed from the reality of his past in the grave. And so he speaks these next words, loose him and let him go. The beautiful thing is only Jesus can give life. Make that note. But we help loose the bonds that still hold us. And this is important. These two truths are necessary for us as Christians to grab a hold of, to lock onto. Jesus and him alone gives life. We help to loose the bonds. And so we help remove the garments of death from the living. And this is what we seek to do. And we call that discipleship. But it's something that is led by God. It's something that's directed by God. But it cannot be done until what? Until God does the first freeing. He frees us from death. Then we come alongside and we help to free from the bondage of what's there. And so keep in mind that the wrappings that were there on Lazarus, just moments before were right and proper and fitting. But as soon as he became alive, now they're what? Now they're a hindrance. Now they're problematic. And so we we recognize here that now we're at one point they needed to be on him. That's just what was right. You know, grave clothes for a man who's dead. But, But now they have to be removed. And amazingly, that Lazarus, as he's bound hand and foot with this napkin over his face, he can't do it himself. He can hobble out of the grave. He can do some things, but he can't remove the bindings. And God says this, I'm going to allow those that are here, those that have witnessed this new life, to assist in the freeing of that which is no longer proper and right for a man who's alive and so as we go through this i think it's so important to recognize these two truths one only jesus only jesus gives life but the second thing is that we help we help loose the bonds that still hold this new life of the new believer that comes into the world and i want you to focus on something because so often we as christians We look at people with their grave clothes. We look at people with the wrappings of the life that was in their death, and we're repulsed. We are repulsed. Say, how could you, a person who's alive, 
have this on you. It's because that was right and proper for me. It was necessary for me. It was good for me. Now it's not. Can you, rather than being repulsed, can you help free me from them? Now think about this. Do you think that Martha and Mary, in looking at Lazarus in his grave clothes, were repulsed? See, they saw the one who was dead now being alive. They're not seeing yuck. They're thinking, oh my goodness, I know what's under that which looks like death. There's life. He's walking towards us. He's he's moving towards us. And, And amazingly, I love the fact, loose them and let them go. As we're looking at this, it's so important that as we see this two truths, Jesus gives life, we help loose the bonds. And and I want you to understand that when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he spoke those words. That immediately, he was alive. He said, come forth, there's life in him. And it wasn't like, okay, what do we got to do to bring life to this guy? There's life instantaneously. And and I want to share that it's so important that someone could walk into this church and they could walk into the sanctuary and they could walk in lost and dead in their sins. They could simply walk in. They could walk in absolutely being clueless to the grace that is in Jesus Christ and to the life that is in Jesus Christ. And, And all of a sudden they can hear a simplicity of the message. Understand how easy Jesus' message was. Lazarus, come forth. He speaks his name in two words. That's it. And, And that's life. There's a simplicity in the message. There's a simplicity in the gospel. I love it how Paul said, you know, you got to understand that, that where, where we had once and the simplicity or the, the, they think the message of the gospel is foolishness to those who are hearing. But understand, you hear that message, the simplicity of the message, and you can simply say, you know what, I'm going to put my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my faith in that, that he went to the cross, that my sins he paid for. He was the one that took the, the wrath of God. And then in, as he took my sin, he gives to me his righteousness. That now forever I will come and I will stand before God in the very righteousness of God. This robe of righteousness that was a gift, a gift of my Lord Jesus Christ. And you understand that they could walk in dead and they could walk out of the sanctuary alive. As a matter of fact, they could sit down dead, hear that one aspect of this message and sit there now alive. That's the incredible truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so simple. It is so profound. And it's not like, okay, listen. You spent the last six months of your life proving you were dead. Now you need to spend the next six months of your life showing that you can be like, it's not like that. It's instantaneous. God speaks, the word is declared, and it is received, and it is done. Jesus gives life. 
And in the most profound and simple way, I love the fact that here he just says, listen, come forth. And he comes out. It's that simple. Jesus doesn't have to give this incantation. He doesn't have to hocus pocus in there, you know, lickety split. You know, he doesn't do those things. He just simply says, Lazarus, come forth. It's not where he's got to really think, oh, am I going to say this right? Do I have to emphasize the Lazarus? Do I have to emphasize the come or do I emphasize which one? No, he just says, Lazarus, come forth. The power in the words. The power and the simplicity of the words that God uses to give life. We call that the gospel. And I want you to know how simple it is. I want you to know how profound it is. I want you to understand that, that when they receive this gospel, that immediately they are alive. They are alive in Christ. And you can celebrate the fact that they are alive, or you could be disgusted by the fact that you stink. You're still carrying on things about you. You're wrapped with things that were of your old life. Understand. When God starts a good work, he is faithful to complete it. He's begun this work. And as he begins the work, he's going to complete it until the day that we come perfect before the Lord in our resurrected bodies. But in the meantime, understand that there are issues, issues of our life, issues of our past, and we need to have that where, where, where God helps free us, but it's only God who gives life. For you note-takers, jot this down. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. I want to read the second half of that verse just so you can be aware of it. But it says this, it's God who gives life to the dead. It's only God who gives life to the dead. And then he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is God. He's the one who brings life. He's the one who gives this, this, although we don't understand fully what it is that he's doing. He said, here's a life. Begin to work it. Begin to walk it. And so he and he alone is that which calls life in from that which was dead but we we are used by god there's a passage in the book of colossians i want to share it with you in colossians chapter 1 verses 27 through 29 let me read it to you and so that you can kind of understand that it's god who does the work but he uses us as those instruments in Colossians 1, verse 27, it opens up this. To them, God willed to make known. Do you understand? It's God initiates this work. God begins the work. Jesus, before he said, loose him and let him go, he begun the work of Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. And so what Colossians is declaring, he says, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the key. It's Christ in you, this new life. And then he says this in verse 28, him we preach. 
You understand that we get to help. We get to share in this glory of God. He says, listen, I'm going to give life. My words are going to give life, but I'm going to use you to declare these words. I'm going to use you to declare the words of life. Him we preach. And then it says this, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Do you know what that is? Discipleship. We warn and we teach. It doesn't say we beat up. It doesn't say that that we belittle. It's edification. It's building up the body of Christ. And this is so key. This is so necessary. Him we preach, verse 28 of Colossians 1, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Do you know what that is? The, The wisdom is not us. The wisdom is what? The word of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Only him and his words are wise. Only him and his words are true. This is true. Anything else I can come up with, I'll be honest with you, is suspect. I I can tell you the things, but only this we know is true. And, And this is that mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Do you understand that we do? What we do is this. As as we see in one another the grave clothes that are binding us in more than one way. And we'll look at that in a moment. But as we see those clothes that are binding us, God is going to lead us through his spirit. He's going to lead us to through his word. He's going to direct us and empower us to do one thing. Loose them and let them free. Loose them. Help remove that which is bonding them. And I think it's so important to recognize this needs to be our heart. Help in freeing them. Not not being disgusted because they're still bound by the grave clothes. Do you realize that when I was dead in my sins and God quickened me to life, I was a mess. Christians could look at my life and they could make these words, truly he stinketh, and it would be true. It would be absolutely true. I stunk like I was four days in the grave and beyond because I was far longer dead than that. And amazingly, we see here is the grace of God. But as, as he makes this statement, he said, we want you to preach and warn every man teaching them in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. You understand? It's his working. It's him that does it. He gives life. We simply help him out. We're simply being used by God to unwrap one thing at a time. And, and, and keep in mind that you can't unwrap everything at once. It, it, you know, when you, when you have the grave clothes that you started up here and you wrapped all the way down, eventually you got to the hand. You can't free the bicep until you start freeing the rest. And it's a process that is done. And so keep in mind that God could have simply allowed Lazarus, like he did, to simply, all the grave clothes were lying there on the thing. Lazarus could have walked out, but he doesn't allow that. He he teaches us an important lesson about the church. He gives life, but we help loose. 
And so when we look to this, I think it's so important where we see the, the, the life and the loosing here in this passage that when we, we see this, it's, it's working his working, which he works in me. And this is the key. This is the heart. This is what we understand. In the book of Galatians chapter 6, let me just simply read it to you. It's a beautiful passage. I just want to read the first couple of verses, but it makes this declaration. In Galatians 6, verse 1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, that's all it says. If someone is, is, put it this way, if you see grave clothes that are on him that need to be loosed, put it that way. If a man is overtaken in trespass, and then he says this, you who are spiritual, You who are spiritual, seek to restore such a one. And then he says this absolutely amazing, in the spirit of gentleness. Do you understand? You don't hack off an arm to get the clothes off. You you, you grab the wrappings and you unwrap them. It's The man was dead. Take it easy on him. And I think it's so important that what we see here is this. You who are spiritual... Seek to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Really, I was dead and I need to be unwrapped. And I didn't like it when they were brutal with me. And then he goes on in the second verse of Galatians chapter 6. He says this, bear one another burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Do you understand? Love the person that you're losing. Be glad that they're no longer dead and in the grave. Be excited that you can actually take off this that stinks. Slowly but surely it's going to happen. It's not going to come quick, but you get to be used by God to do this thing. Rejoice in that, saints. Rejoice in that. It's so incredible to see that here we get to help loose the bonds. Now, the bonds are interesting. I want you to focus on verse 44 for just a second to really understand what the Spirit is saying that that we as believers now alive who used to be dead, what are the things that bind us? Well, in verse 44, it says, He who had died came out bound hand and foot. Note this. His hands were bound. His feet were bound, and then it says this, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. I love it when the scripture itself makes a perfect outline for us to follow. His hands are bound, his feet are bound, his face is bound. It's amazing. There are some people who are alive in Christ, but they really can't serve yet. Their hands are bound. And they don't know how to serve. They don't have the ability to serve. And so what we're able to do is this. We're able to, under the direction and leading and empowering the Holy Spirit, using our own lives as examples, teach them how to serve, how to serve the body of Christ. And we teach them this beautiful thing about the service of the body of Christ. It is not a responsibility. It is a response to the gift of life. And we want to teach them what it is to serve. We want to teach them what it is to give back to Christ in the the ministry to his body. And how beautiful is that? That while we're serving them, 
We're teaching them that the same grace, the same grace that, that you're experiencing now as, as I'm ministering to you, seeking to unwrap you, the same grace that you're experiencing, then do what? Well, with the comfort that you are receiving, now comfort others with the same comfort wherein you've been comforted. This is the heart. This is the, the reality of what discipleship is all about, to realize there are some people that are so bound in their old death, they don't even know how to serve in the newness of life. Now, keep in mind, there are some things that, that they can, you know, maybe gesture and move, but they really don't understand the fullness of what serving is. And they don't understand the newness of serving in the spirit. And we get to share with them. We get to example them. We get to do that. And so there's some people, and they're bound in their hands. There's others, and they may be the same people, too, that are also bound in their feet. Not only do they not have the ability to serve, but they don't have the ability to walk. And how many times have you seen Christians like that? Where they're new in their life, but they're, they're stumbling all over the place. They can't seem to even do one stride. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever done like a three-legged race and you realize when there's something wrapped around your ankle and it's not cooperating, you're going nowhere. And it's amazing to see here what Jesus begins to open up and to teach us. There's some, they're bound in their hands and they don't know how to serve. There are others who are bound in their feet and they don't know how to walk. They do not have the ability. And what we get to do is we get to disciple them. We get to, under the direction and the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit, teach them what walking in this newness of life is all about. And it is about walking in the light. It's about walking towards Jesus Christ. And that's what we teach them over and over again. We, we reiterate that it's about walking to him, walking to him. Walk, it's the direction. It isn't about saying you've got to reach him because to be honest with you, the scriptures teach us what? You'll never reach him. You'll never reach him until he calls us up on that day and then to be absent with this body, to be present with the Lord. Either he's going to rapture us or when we die to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, we'll be with him. But it's not until that day when this corruption is going to be corrupted, this mortal is going to die, then, then that which is in us, this new nature that we talked about the other Sunday, that we're going to see that that which is eternal is now with him. And that's forever. And that will never be tarnished. How good is God? But we see here that there are some people they can't serve. We, we disciple them in how to serve. There's some people they can't walk. We disciple them in how to walk. And we always tell them, don't, don't, don't stand still, but, but walk towards Christ. Now, a lot of times what it's going to seem like this, and be honest, in this world, there's a lot of things pulling you down. There is the enemy. There is the world and everything that is glittering. There's our own flesh and it's pulling us down. And how many times have you experienced your Christian walk? It's like walking up a down escalator. You're moving and you're moving and you're moving, but it doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere. Yet, note this, because you're moving, you're not going backwards. 
And this is what sometimes the reality of our walk, that we're not really going forward where we're seeing it. But you have to understand everything that's pulling you back, everything that's trying to get you back into death, everything that's trying to get you back to stay in those grave clothes that God wants to lose. And, and here he says you get to have people to help you walk. And again, it's, it's not kicking them. Let's get a move on. It's not beating them, whipping them. Come on, that's the direction. It's what? Spirit of gentleness, people. I don't know if you've ever seen babies beginning to walk. But what happens is this. And I love it because as our grandkids begin to walk in our house, we, we look to them and they can take one step and fall. And guess what? The entire room explodes in applause. Yay, you did well. You took one step and you fell on your diaper? Yes, but you did well. You took the step. And eventually they're going to take two steps and then three steps. And then they're going to walk and then they're going to run. And they're going to learn all kinds of things. But this is the reality that what? You are excited when they take a step. You're not, you're not bummed because what? You still got your legs wrapped. You think that Mary and Martha were disgusted because Lazarus was hobbling. No, they were excited that Lazarus was alive. Do you understand that they looked past the wrappings at the life? And that's what we need to do as Christians. Look past the hobblings. Look past the stumblings. Look past those things and look to the life and realize that I was bound like that and I stumbled like that and I fell like that. And God used others in the grace and the gentleness to loose my bonds, to free me, so that not only could I serve, but I could learn to walk. I could learn to serve Christ in his kingdom through the leading direction of the spirit. I could learn to walk the word, walk in the light as he is in the light, and and to realize that it's the direction I'm walking towards Christ. I just want to have this intimacy relationship with him, and anything that turns my eyes away from Christ, I want to avoid that. I want to just focus on him. He is my life. And so we recognize that, yes, there are some who have their hands bound. And on top of that, they may have their feet bound. But then there's one more thing. And take a look at verse 44. It says that he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. There's others that we just can't see right we don't understand right. We, don't, we, we, we can't really grasp that. Our face is bound. We don't see the way that we need to see. And so often that things of the Lord are veiled to us. What's going on is veiled to us. We don't even understand. And this is an amazing thing because you could have someone unwrapping his hands and he has no idea really what's going on yet. Hey, I'm alive, I'm hobbling, I hear a voice, I'm going to the voice because, believe it or not, his sheep know his voice and they're going to follow him. And he sees that and he knows that. And But so important, what happens is that, that we're at that point where we don't see Our face is still bound with the grave clothes. And and so we get to come alongside of them. And we get to be gentle in helping them to lift the veil. Lift the veil. Take the veil off so that they can see 
the reality of Christ, the gospel, and his church. That there are others who are bound that he's going to speak a word to and they're going to be alive. And that we're going to help unbind them as well. And they get to be a part of that new work and a new person. And I love the heart that what Jesus says because he he wants us to, to say these people who cannot see the spiritual truths clearly yet, help them to see. Help them remove the veil. Be led by the Spirit, be guided by the Spirit, but but do the work. And so keep in mind that as we are doing this work, as we're loosing their hands, loosing their feet, lifting the veil that is there over their face, make no mistake still, it's only Jesus who gives life. I don't want you to think as we look to all the things that we do that it's us who's giving life. Jesus understand, was the very source of life. There was nothing else besides him. There in the Gospel of John, remember when we first started this book, there in John chapter 1. I want to read to you just a couple of verses so you can understand it's, it's only Jesus who gives life. There in John chapter 1, the first um, four verses says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And it said, all things were made through him, without him nothing was made that was made in him was life. You understand? He created all life. In six days, he created everything that was life. He created everything that life could continue in life, where the seed would make more seed, and and it would make another plant, and the seed would bring life to the same thing. And so absolutely amazing, in him was the life, and the life was the light of men. It would give every man direction and insight. Yet, we all know what happened. Adam sinned. And, and as Adam sinned, what God teaches us there in the book of Romans chapter 5, I only want to read a couple of verses to you. I want to start in verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. God brought life. Adam brought death. And he passed on that death to all. But then in Romans 5 verse 15, he makes this statement, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace of the one man Jesus Christ abound to many. And then in verse 18, he says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so One man's righteous act, the free gift, came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Understand, Jesus gave life initially. Adam, he botched that life and and tore it apart. But what does Jesus do? Jesus brings life again. That's who he is. That's that passage that we shared on, on, on Wednesday. Such a powerful word there in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, where he says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? This is the key. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who said, I'm going to conquer death. I'm going to conquer Hades. It's amazing that in the book of Revelation, let me share one passage to you. Chapter 1, verse 18, it says this. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Do you understand? I have the keys. 
I have the keys. I, I am the one with the authority. Think about it this way. When you leave a house or an apartment and you pass on the keys to the next person, guess who has the authority to enter that? Guess who has the authority, the, the ownership? It's, it's either the next person who owns the house or back to the landlord in the apartment. It's, it's not yours anymore. Jesus, I have the keys. I have the authority. I have access. I can come in and I can go out. I can do whatever I need to do. I have the keys, he says, and I love this, of Hades and of death. I have the keys to the grave. I have the keys to death. And only Jesus Christ has those keys. Such a beautiful thing there in the book of Isaiah. He makes this beautiful promise, Isaiah chapter 25, verse 7 and 8. Let me read it to you. He says this, And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all the people. There's a covering over the people, a veil that is spread over all the nation, a blinding, a covering of the eyes, grave clothes over everyone. And then he says this in verse 8 of Isaiah chapter 25. He says, and he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. He's going to swallow up death. Death no longer has any aspect. God, death no longer has any authority. And so we recognize this beautiful truth that it's God who gives life. But at the same time, we're used by God. We're used by God. In Colossians chapter 3, let me show you this one verse, verse 9. He makes this statement, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man. And then he says this, with his deeds. And you've put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge. See, so he says, you have to understand that this is the key that you no longer have this, this, this death that's there. And, and I love the heart because he, he'll go on and say, you know what, we're God's fellow workers. That's who we are. We, we are the workers that God has. And I think it's so important to, to, to see that this is the key. This is the heart to, to what God desires. And so as we recognize, yes, God is the one who gives life. But we are the ones that he uses to help, to assist. And, and as, as God gives the life, I want to share with you one portion of scripture. And, and it's because to you it'll make sense. To me it began to make sense as I was looking at it. I started looking at the entirety of Ezekiel chapter 37 where he brings the dead bones to life. And I'd focused on that for a long time, but eventually God narrowed it down and he began to just have me look at just a couple of verses. So in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 12 through 14, he says this, therefore prophesy and say to them. In other words, you're going to be used, but you're going to declare what? My words, the simplicity of my heart. You're going to prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. 
And then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. And I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Now, I want you to understand, and I don't want to give you too much of a precursor to what's going on next Wednesday as we look further on in this chapter, but Jesus says the evidence that I am the Lord is I'm going to take you from the grave. And at this point, once he removes Lazarus from the grave, and that becomes a witness, then comes this saying from the, the religious leaders, he must die. Not, not we just want to kill him, we're going to look around him. No, no, he's, he's going to die. This is it. We got to snuff him out now because of the evidence of what he did. Only God is going to take someone from the grave. And it's so incredible to see here that heart. Now, when God is the one who brings life, as he's the one who does so, that there in the gospel of John, and we've looked at this before, and I just want to share with you this one verse in John chapter 5, verse 28, he makes this statement. And it simply declares this. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are, on the gra- who are in the graves will hear his voice. Now he said, my sheep hear my voice. Lazarus did. But he says, now all who are in the grave are going to hear his voice. And this is a beautiful thing. And we recognize what the scriptures simply pro- proclaim is that, that here the Lord is going to descend with a shout. The voice of an archangel and all who are in the graves, what? They're going to rise. They're all going to do a Lazarus. They're going to come out, and and that's going to be an amazing thing. Now, when that time comes, grave clothes are no more. We already have that new body in the rapture, but I want you to, to recognize the Lord is going to free all men from all graves. Now, there are going to be some come to the resurrection of life. There are going to be others. They're going to go to hell. Now, I hate to to dampen this message with hell, but it is a reality to all who do not receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's not something that we boast in. It's not something, in fact, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But you have to come to repentance. You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. It has to be, you have to stand before God in the righteousness of God. And the only way to do that is not to work it, not to earn it, not to merit, but to be given it as a gift. And the only one who offers that gift is Jesus Christ. He takes your sin. He gives you the righteousness of God. He does the swap. No one else can do that. And I think it's important for us to recognize these truths. And as he's the one who says, listen, I'm going to be the one that comes. I'm going to be the one that gives life. I'm the one that does these things. There's a passage in the book of Romans. You know it well. I just want to read it to you. But in Romans chapter 6, verse 23 It makes a statement, and it says this, For the wages, what you earn from sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That we recognize that there's a gift that we have, and this gift is is there Truly, God says, I'm going to give you this gift. I'm going to be the one to offer this to you. No one else can give you this gift. Only I can give you this gift. 
in the book of Hebrews, let me share with you one verse, Hebrews 2, verse 14, where it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Now, some of you were, as I was going through this message and sharing that you have life, that you have life, they're saying, yeah, but you know what? There is this death that the enemy wants to constantly say, you're dead, you're dead, you don't deserve this life. How many times have you heard the whispers of the enemy that you're not good enough to receive this gift of life that Jesus Christ offers? I mean, he might give it to some okay. He gives it to bad people, but you're really bad. You don't deserve this. I understand no one deserved this gift. God says there's none righteous, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses is as filthy rags. We're all standing there ugly before the Lord. And every one of us, as we stand before the Lord, as we stand ugly and putrefied before the Lord, as we all stand and the people look around and say, surely he stinketh. An amazing thing is this, that Jesus, through his death, puts to silence the accusations of the enemy. All of the enemy continues to whisper about you and whisper about you to say, these things are true, these things are true. And yeah, they're true. But guess what? Through the work of Jesus Christ, the grave clothes are removed. This robe of righteousness is placed. Two passages I want you to be aware of for you note-takers. The first is found in the book of Zechariah chapter 3 where it says this about um, Joshua the high priest. In Zechariah chapter 3, beginning verse 1, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand I plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. This is the reality of every one of us. We are bound in grave clothes. We are there in filthy garments before the Lord in our own nature. And so, verse 4, then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, take away the filthy garments. You understand? It's going to be done perfectly in heaven, but it's done applicationally here on earth. There's a work that we do. Take away the filthy garments. Unloose those bonds that are holding his hands so he can't serve, that are holding his feet that he can't walk, that are blinding his face that he can't see the spiritual truth. He says, take those away, he says, and say to him, see, I have removed your iniquity from you. I will clothe you with, with robes. And he said, let them put on a clean turban on his head. And they put a clean turban on his head, and they put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord said, bye. God is constantly renewing, constantly refreshing. And this is a work that that we get to be a part of. And I think it's so important that as we see this truth, that here in in the the book of Revelation, remember that that the enemy, and he's the one who makes accusations before us. He's the one who condemns us. It makes this statement in Revelation 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God has come. The power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren who accused him before our God day and night has been cast down. He accuses us. He says, yep, loaded that, loaded. And you know what? He's right. He's right. He's saying, Lo has on these stinky grave clothes, 
and they're still not all removed. He's been teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for over 25 years, and he still stinketh. And God said, yep, it's true. I still have things of my old nature. that I, Help me remove these things nicely, please, but help me remove these things. Let's be a part of one another, edifying and building up the body and seeing, assisting us in the sanctification process. And we see here that the enemy accuses day and night. But it says this, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That God has given salvation to the saints. And you know what we get to do? we get to tell the rest of the saints what God has done in his sanctification process. And I'll be honest with you, I'm going to share this now, and, and I won't run out of time, just mind you, but i got to let you know this, that on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is probably my favorite Wednesday of the year. And I tell you this every year, and it's not because I don't have to study for a message. I love studying for messages. But on the, thanks, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is our testimony night. And there are going to be saints who are going to come and they are going to testify. And, and, and you, you, when you see them, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I know you, but I've seen you with grave clothes. I've seen you do mistakes. I see you sometimes bound and sometimes not walking and sometimes veiled the truth. But they're going to tell you, no, God gave me life and I'm here to testify of the sanctification process that he's worked in my life. And it's been through his word. It's been through his spirit. It's been the step by step. And I'm seeing him more and more. And, and I love the fact that they overcame him, one, by the blood of the lamb, the life that he proclaimed, the gospel that was declared that they believed by faith. And then they said, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony the walk, the sanctification process, that th- work that God did in their lives. And so set your calendars for that Wednesday. Say, you know, now the other good thing about that Wednesday is that night we have pumpkin pie in the back. And so uh, granted, we, we eat really well and pumpkin pie will probably be a down step, but we are going to have pumpkin pie with whipped cream. We, what is pumpkin pie without whipped cream? What is whipped cream without pumpkin pie? I mean, whipped cream, pumpkin pie, that's the way it is. And so but it is going to be the reality that what they overcame him. He has no more power. He cannot declare whatever he says. It may be true, but it's true that what? Look at the grave clothes. Yes, but Jesus says, look at inside that. And there's a man and there's a woman with life, a life that I proclaimed. And so we begin to see here this incredible thing that Jesus speaks three simple words. Lazarus comes forth. We have the privilege to proclaim to the people this glorious, simple gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to share with you just one verse. I quoted it earlier, but I want to actually read it to you. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse... Oh, no, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Who would have thought that all you had to say was, Lazarus come forth and a man could have life? 
Who could actually understand that a person who is dead in their trespasses and sin, that you can simply share the reality of the gospel? Jesus died for your sins on the cross. If you believe in him, as the scripture said, you will have eternal life. And they say, yes, Lord, I believe that you went to the cross and died in my stead. I put my faith in you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And guess what? You have life. That's simple. It's foolishness to the world. It's not any great thing, but God says, oh, for this message, the message of the cross, the message of Jesus, God dying for our sins, that's the key. And when it comes to this, we recognize over and over again, yeah, we know the reality of the gospel, but know what the gospel is. The gospel, according to what what Paul continues to teach in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, he says this, I planted... Apollos watered, but God brought the increase. See, we were used by God, but it's God's work. He's the one that enables us. He's the one that empowers us. He's the one that directs us. It's his work. God is the one who gives life. It is God, according to Philippians 2.13, who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. He's the one that does this. He's the one that's working, and he's going to be the one to lead you as to, you know, help people that are bound. And he's going to help you see the people who are bound. And he's going to help your heart to see there's life inside the people who are bound. And what we want to do is this, not kick them out because they stink. Not get rid of them because, hey, your stench is going to stink up this, this lovely church with other people who are wrapped in our own grave clothes and stink. No, it's, it's come on in. We all stink. The sin stinks. I hate to say it. Death stinks. Have you ever driven by and all of a sudden there's a carcass on the side of the road that's been there a little bit too long? And, and, and the, the deer isn't just laying there, but its legs are like this because it's so puffed up with gases as it is decaying. You drive by and beyond, it stinks. Death stinks. That's why we try to get him in the grave so fast. That's why they anoint him with perfumes. And that's why Mars said, he stinks. But understand what God does. He says, I'm here to give you life. I'm here to give you life. And when we come to the point of recognizing we're one body, we are one body, made up of many parts, but there's one body. And God is going to use the hand to help unwrap another hand. He's going to use hands to help open the, the, the veil so you can see. And, and amazingly, that this is what God does. He uses the body to minister to the body. And so, but we have this incredible good news that we're able to share. We're able to recognize that there's a simple message of Jesus Christ to give life. Now, God can do it without us. He can simply say, Lazarus, come forth, and there can be people who come to know the Lord without anyone witnessing it, and just just God speaking to them through his spirit. But he chooses often to use us. The problem is, is when we see someone who comes to life, that we do not rejoice in that life. We need to become Marys and Marthas and see our brother Lazarus come forth. We need to have that mindset. Here's one who was dead and he's now alive. To rejoice in that. Not to say, man, you stink. We all stunk. We still stink. (laughs) Seek to, through the grace of God, 
to be part of the Lord. Yes, there is life that comes through the message of Jesus Christ. There's life that comes through his words, but he wants us to do this. Loose him and let him go. May we be part of that ministry of the Spirit of God bringing life and and looseness, the ability to walk and to serve and to see. May we be those that God uses. Amen? Father, we are so grateful for this passage. Only you would put this in such a perfect little portion. Loose him and let him go. But before that happens, you would say, Lazarus, come forth. You give life, but you use us to help loose. And we want to recognize, Lord, that we want to be used by you for these purposes. We want to share the simplicity of your words They don't have to be long. They don't have to be drawn out. They just have to be true. And and in the power that you put in them, Lord. And so help us to see the people and help us to recognize that they are bound and help us to want to have that heart to loose them and free them and let them go. We ask for a filling of your spirit that we would have your heart, your mind, your love for these people as we seek to loose. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.